now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Michelle Falzon. After Michelle's out-of-body experience during surgery, a portal opened up for her, and today we're going to learn about it. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today, and welcome. Thank you very much. Let's start on the day that your out-of-body experience happened and go from there. Okay, sure. So when I was eight years old, this actually happened during a surgery. And, you know, I would normally call it an NDE, only I don't think I I died. So basically, I was eight. I needed to get my tonsils and adenoids removed. And I was terrified because, first of all, I had like this huge fear of blood, needles, and doctors. And I, I kind of still do today as an adult, which is you know, but I mean, I was so afraid of this surgery, terrified. So we, we show up in the hospital, you know, we get everything ready. They roll me back into the OR, count backwards from 100 and then made to black. Right. And that's what happened. The next thing I know, I am on the ceiling of the surgery room and I'm watching them operate on me. Now, the reason, like I said, it's not an NDE is because like I didn't see the doctors going, oh, my God, we're losing her. No one. W- it wasn't chaotic. It was pretty routine. But it was I mean, I was I was out of my body. I was watching them as very clear. And like the first thing that I did was panic. I everyone's always like, oh, I felt so peaceful. And I panicked because what's kind of funny is like my fear of doctors and blood and everything carried over into like when I popped out of my body. I'm like, oh my gosh, it looked terrible. I mean, to them, I'm sure it was nothing, but there was like blood on, there was like this medical thing I had here and blood everywhere. And they had like this mirror at the roof of my mouth that looked so uncomfortable. And there was, I'm assuming two doctors, one here, one there on either side of my head and like this light, you know, to get into the tonsils. And they were like going into my mouth, cutting things taking him out, you know, and it was pretty routine. Nothing. It wasn't like we're, like I said, it's not like they were going, we're losing her. So I can't call it a near death experience, but it was during surgery. And I don't know what happened. I don't know why I came out of my body, but so the first thing I did was freak out. I mean, really panic. Like what is going on? I immediately noticed that's me. I'm like, that's me. I'm getting my surgery right now. What is going on? Um, And then I'm like, oh, blood. And I started panicking. And then like, as soon as I'm like, you know what? Wait a minute. Like, that looks really uncomfortable. I'm really glad that I'm I'm not there. And I started thinking, wait, why am I freaking out? This is cool because all that stuff is happening to the body down there. It's I'm not feeling it. This And I was like making I was cracking jokes to myself. I'm like, this should happen with every surgery. You know, you just pop out of your body. And I'm like, this is so cool. And it's, and I felt like I was a cloud with eyes. Like I had no form. I was, I was just watching and it was just pretty routine. And like, I kind of feel gypped because everyone else gets to like see a light and see God. And I, mine was pretty quick. It ended pretty fast. Um, And as soon as I started enjoying the experience, I'm like, this is so awesome. It ended. And I, you know, I woke up and that was that. Now, from there, and I think that this is true, like I hear this in so many like stories that once you have an experience like that, it's kind of like you have, for lack of a better term, like more like psychic powers or like you you can communicate better with people on the other side. And 
like I'm not like a, I'm not a medium or a psychic or anything, but like all of the sudden I would know things before they would have happen and like some pretty significant things, very significant things happened. And so so I got you know, a lot of things happened. So I'm just going to jump to one of the more significant things that happened a few years later. Well, that happened when I was eight. And then when I was 13, I had already noticed that these things were happening. So my aunt Sharon became pregnant with her second child. Um, she just found out. We didn't even know if it was a boy or a girl yet. And everyone was happy, you know, happy. And um, I was out. Okay. Well, so back up so I we found that out everyone was happy then I had a dream I dreamt that my aunt I I dreamt that she had the baby and it was a boy but that there was something really wrong with him um in the dream like and you can tell like what's a a dream and and what's like this is important you need to pay this is a message this is a premonition or whatever you want to call it and so in the dream I hear people around uh, the baby was in a life support machine type thing hooked up to things. And he, um, I could see through his skin. I could see that something wasn't right. My cat's joining us, by the way. I could see that something wasn't right. Um, something was wrong with his organs. I could see his organs. And all I knew was like, I was given this knowledge that something is seriously wrong. And people, I could hear people around like crying and it was bad. And it was very obvious that something bad was, was, happening and that this was my aunt's baby you know which would be my cousin and so when I woke up from that like I knew that that was just that wasn't just a dream I knew it was a warning and so I felt pressured to tell my aunt even though I know that's not the kind of news you know anyone wants to hear so the next time I was with my mom my aunt and myself and my my aunt was talking about the baby and everything and I said, and Sharon, you know, like I had a dream that you had a boy and she goes, oh, good. I want a boy because, you know, she already had a girl and, it, you know, and so she was she was like, you know, glad to hear that. And then she and then I, I had to say it. And I'm like, but I, I dreamt that something was wrong with him. And she instantly is like, no, no, don't say that. Don't say that. My mom got so mad at me. She's you don't tell a pregnant woman that you had a dream or something wrong with her baby. What's wrong with you? You know, and I I got in trouble for it. And I understand why they got upset. I mean, you know go around saying that and but I just I I was compelled to tell her so obviously after that my mom got mad at me and I like I didn't I didn't bring it up I just prayed about it my like, god please like I pray that you just help this to not happen or or to let everything be okay so my aunt we find I find out it is a boy and we get all the way up to delivery date and my my uh, stepdad tells me he's like yeah, your your aunt Sharon's in labor going to the hospital and I had such a bad feeling I'm like I, I know something bad I, I know something bad's going to happen and sure enough um, when the baby came out he wasn't crying because the umbilical cord had been wrapped around his neck um, and the you know doctors panicked my aunt told me she's like as soon as Justin came out and he wasn't crying and they panicked she's like I instantly thought about the dream that you told me about and so Justin unfortunately he had lack of oxygen to his brain uh they gave him like a five percent chance to survive now i prayed so he survived um and 
but he is impaired today. He's, he's, but not, he's doing pretty well. But, um, you know, after that, I think my, my aunt, my mom took it a little bit more seriously because at first it's like, oh, stop it with your stupid dream. And then it happened. And Justin was hooked up to a machine called an ECMO machine, which is like a life support thing. And when I saw it, it was the exact picture of what was in my dream. And there was something about, they said like some of his organs weren't fully developed and he was on life support for a long time. It was, it was like three months of not knowing what, you know, if Justin would survive and he did, he beat the odds. He's like, I said, he's got some impairment now, but he's, he's doing pretty good. But like, that's one example of the kind of things that started to happen. I mean, crazy things. I mentioned in the beginning that a portal was opened up for you. Can you tell me more about that? So by portal, I just, I, I just mean that. I I mean, maybe I didn't even use the right word for, it was like something, it's like a, a, all of a sudden you just had access to the other side to, to knowing things, to seeing things like, like it, it just, it was, I hate to say like I had psychic powers, but I did, you right. know, and because that just sounds so like, oh, I'm you know, it, it, but that's what happened. So that, I guess that's what I meant. Maybe the word portal isn't right. I, it, it's like something opened, like it, I'm able to access the spiritual stuff more I, the other side psychic premonitions um and like i've got a ton of stories that i can tell you but yeah maybe so, so. Is that clear? yeah i think a lot of people may call your situation like an opening in the veil or a crack in yeah. the veil or something like that right okay maybe that's a better term i don't i don't really yeah i didn't really know like it just, yes, I think what you're saying is correct. That's exactly, exactly what happened. Mm. And I mean, crazy stuff started happening to me. Like, um, okay, so as I've got like some talking points here of things I don't want to forget, yeah, but um, um, really the big thing I want to talk about is what happened with my brother. But um, I will tell you, like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't even know which one to, to go to. Um, when I was 11, I saw a lady disappear. In front, I was 10 or 11. I, I saw a lady disappear in front of me. I don't know. I So I was 10 years old. I was riding my bike. It was the middle of the day. And um, we lived in this condo complex. And like I, I was riding my bike up around like the clubhouse. It curves, like the road curves. And there's the clubhouse. And then you go back down the street, back into the subdivision. So I'm going around that curb. I'm in the street. I'm riding my bike in the street. And there's this little old lady walking on this sidewalk that like lines the, you know, this little sidewalk um, that that is near the clubhouse. Uh, the sidewalk doesn't go to any condos or anything. And it kind of, it dead ends in the grass and there's like a sign there. And she was very elderly. Like I want to say like nineties and she was like shuffling her feet. You know how elderly people do sometimes is they shuffle their feet and they walk very slow. And that's what she was doing. Um, I mean, she had on a skirt, she had on white tights, she had a, a white bag and um, glasses shuffling along and something, I don't know what it was. I, I, I knew something wasn't right with this lady and I, I can't tell you how. I'm like, something's, first of all, I think it was, she's walking on a sidewalk that dead ends and there's like a sign right there. Where is she going? And I'm like, and I'm not far from her. 
I'm at this point about 10 feet from her. So I'm not seeing things. There's a lady walking. And so I'm staring at her and I'm like, there's something, something's not right. So I pop up onto the sidewalk where she is. And now I'm about five, six feet from her at this point. And I, I, I stopped my bike and I turned around and I'm looking at her and she stopped and she turned around. And she's looking at me again. This is not my imagination. This lady was five or six feet from me. She's she's staring back at me and she looks shocked. She looks like surprised. I want to say she was almost like, you can see me. Um, but she was and I'm like, all right. And I knew in my head, I'm like, don't don't break eye contact with this lady. She's and I knew she was going to disappear. I don't know how I knew it, but I did. And I'm staring at her. She's staring at me. And I heard something like behind me. It sounded like a someone threw a pebble at me and it scared me. So I'm like, I'm going to look away for like half a second just to make sure nothing weird is happening. And then I'm going to look back. And I did that. I went like this. I looked back and she was gone. She disappeared. But I to the, I don't know what that was. Um I It blew me away. There were no cars that came by and picked her up. And even if they did. I looked away for a half a second. The only thing I can think of is there was a lot of elderly people that lived in this condo complex and maybe she was someone who just died. And, you know, I don't know, like I, I, it was unbelievable. And of course being 10 or 11 years old, you go and like tell your parents, I just saw a lady disappear and they're like, sure you did, you know? Um, So things like that would happen. Yeah. Sounded like you saw a ghost or something. I guess. I mean, that's if you see someone and they disappear, I would assume that that's what they are. I I don't know. And in fact, if anyone in the comments happens to like know anything about what that might be, I'm all ears, you know. But um, so what I really wanted to go into, though, is um, so unfortunately, uh, my brother, who I love very much and who was like my best friend, he was so awesome. uh, His name was Michael and he passed away. Now, I should start out by saying like Michael, uh, he was a musician and um, he was the kindest guy ever. And he was hilarious too. He was always teasing me. And I mean, he was, he was the best guy ever. Now, unfortunately, like when, like in the music scene, like he got into drugs, unfortunately, and he was still a great guy. Didn't turn him into like a monster or anything, but it was, it was a struggle. I also had a drug problem. I started abusing prescription drugs. And so we both, were struggling at the same time. And um, his struggle was with heroin. And he would like always tell me like, you're just hooked on pills, like try being hooked on heroin. It's like impossible to stop. And it is, it's very, it's very difficult. You know, he struggled, he struggled quite a bit. Um, And okay, one day I, I heard this is this is back in 2004. So I heard something on the radio about like this new detox thing they were doing for heroin. And, um, you know, I, I wrote the phone number down because I wanted to give it to Michael. I kind of knew that he wasn't going to like take, you know, do anything with it. But I felt that I, I had to to tell him. So I wrote it down. I kind of forgot about it for a little bit. And then I was cleaning my room one day and I saw the phone number. I'm like, I've got to call Michael. So I called him. I'm like, Michael, I just heard this new thing on the radio about a new detox thing, like some new technique. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, I heard about that. No, no, I'm not going to. They put like needles in your stomach and, you know, it's it's awful. You And, um, you know, he flat out rejected it. And like I said, I kind of knew he would. Um, but it, that sucked. Uh, he was... 
it was, he was pretty down. Um, and he, because heroin is hard, it's hard to stop. You get very sick. And I saw him get very, very sick. He struggled a lot. And it, it's a shame because he was, he was so talented. My brother was so talented. He was such a great, awesome guy. Um, so anyways, um, and you know, he basically had given up in that call. He basically, that's, that's, that's how he made it sound that he had just given up. And that was the last conversation I had with him. So three days later, um, technically in the early morning of September 13th, 2004, around three, I, I woke up and I had had like this, this dream that Michael was killed on his motorcycle. And I, and I could hear my dad crying and he's like, Michael died on that damn motorcycle. And, um, I woke up and it felt like one of those premonition dreams. And I'm like, God, please don't let this be true. Please, please don't let this. I started praying. I sat up. I'm like sitting at my desk. God, please. And I felt like, like, I, I can't just, I felt like God, like, go, go like this, like, stop. It's already done. It, it's, you can't change it anyways, you know? And I, I, I disregarded that and I continued to pray. Um, at 11 a.m., he was in an, in an accident. He was killed on his motorcycle at 11 a.m. that day, like eight hours later, right after I had that premonition, he was killed. Um, it was all head injuries. He was on his motorcycle. He was on the highway and he hit a median going. Someone said it looked like a bee had gotten in his helmet, like some witnesses. And like he was trying to, you know, swatted away but it was in his helmet that's that's just what someone said another person said well i think he tried to swerve and miss a pothole regardless he was on the freeway and um he hit the median and was thrown and it was all head injuries and um technically his date of death was the 14th um but i mean really it was the 13th is when they lost brain activity um and it it is and was the most devastating thing that's ever happened in my life and in my family's life. Like um, the grieving, you know, that I had, the, the grieving was like, um, like it, I, I really, I tell people like I cried like every day for two years straight, like without missing a day. Like I'd cry in the morning. Um, I would cry my way to work. I would, take frequent bathroom breaks and cry like in the bathroom, cry on my way home and cry myself to sleep. Like, I mean, my grief was so intense. It's, of course, like, so was my family's like my mother and my father and just everyone who knew and loved Michael because he was an awesome guy. He was so talented and like, like it's so hard for me to talk. This is, you know, like I hate getting all choked up, but like, so it would, it would, it sucked. Um, and even my mom, my mom noticed, she's like, you, you are seem to be grieving almost like the most out of everyone, you know, because I was like, we were like best friends and I knew that he was struggling and it was so sad that conversation we had. Um, so one, you know, one night I went to my mother's and um, the his mattress, she had his mattress in, in one of her spare rooms and I'm actually have this prop with me, but uh, so his mattress. Yeah, his bed was in a spare room and there was a windowsill above the bed and on the windowsill she had, this is actually the exact thing. See, see this candle? It's a plug-in candle. You know, you plug it in, it's not a real candle, but there's a bulb and it turns on. And my mom had that plugged in and the window that was right above my brother's bed and she's like, this light represents Michael. That's what she said, you know. And I laid down below this candle 
and I, um, on his bed and I fell asleep and I had a dream that I know was him. And, you know, um, it was very short, uh, kind of, but all of a sudden I'm at the beginning of a tunnel and, uh, there's like a threshold and I'm not allowed to go beyond this threshold. And, um, it's a beautiful tunnel. It's white. It's got, um, color sparkles like and mixed in between kind of hard to explain um but I can't go in it and my brother appears right there and I you know if people who've been through this will know like you can tell the difference between a dream that you're just it's just a dream when your brain is dealing with grief and trying to work through it and a real visitation I dream about my brother all the time to this day but this was a visitation like I one 100%. So he's standing there and he's like, Michelle, hey. And he's his normal, like jovial self. And he, he's always been funny. He's like, dude, I died, you know, because that's how he would talk. He always said, dude. And um, he's like, I cannot believe this. And uh, he was talking and telling me like about he was having an awesome time and everything. And then um, I kept trying to like speak to him, like interrupt him because I, I had questions. And it was like he was avoiding those questions. Um, and he, he's like, um, finally he stops and he goes, um, do you see this place behind me? Do you see, can you see everything behind me? And I, I didn't answer him at first because he wasn't letting me talk before. It was almost like still like a little bit of sibling, uh, sibling rivalry. And he's like, well, do you like answer me? And I said, well, yes. You know, and I could see like it's like kind of been wiped from my memory, but I could I there was it was beautiful behind him. I remember that. And he goes, I haven't even seen half of it yet. And he's like, look, this is what I'm here to tell you. You need to stop grieving me so much. I'm OK. I'm fine. I'm good. And he basically made it sound like essentially like when I was crying and grieving, it was disrupting his experience there almost like he had to come and sit and it was like a buzzkill you know and he was like I am okay you've got to let me go you have to let me go I am Michelle I'm okay and um he's like but I have he said I I have there's a lot of people I still need to see places that I need to go here and basically your grief is is stopping me please let go of me and I I felt so bad when he said that because First of all, it kind of hurt my feelings. It's like, don't you want to like say you miss me? And he didn't say he didn't say that, you know, he was so happy. But um kind of broke my heart because I'm like, I, I want to do that for you, Michael, but like I don't know if I can. Like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to stop crying every day. Yeah, I really this is a very sudden and tragic death. Like, I don't I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be able to do that. And he didn't want to hear that. He's like, I gotta go now. He's like, I, you know, I love you, I'm okay. I'm more than okay let go of me and he he disappeared and i'm like wait wait and he disappeared and when i woke up like this candle was burnt out you know and it was strange because my mom had had this plugged in for months and months and it you know stayed in the window and it was on before i went to sleep and when i woke up like maybe a half hour or so later it was burnt out for the first time and i i my mom said that this represented the light represented Michael. And I believe that it went out because he was like, let me go. I'm leaving. You know, I still cried for like a year after that, though. <laughs> you know, I couldn't help it. Um, and so that, that was, you know, 
that was a thing. And one other uh, thing I want to mention too, that was, I had mentioned that my brother, like he was hilarious. And when he died, um, my cousins and everything were always saying like, oh my gosh, in the middle of the night, like I heard someone knocking on my wall, you know, like some weird ghost, ghost stuff. And I'm like, Michael, if you're going to give me a sign that you're around, don't do some stereotypical ghost thing where you knock on the wall. Like, come on, you know, I'm your sister. I want something really cool. So he answered that. I believe that my brother's spirit stayed around uh, for quite a while after he passed because it was so devastating to our family. And um, so I said that and I had that I was driving this really old like uh, car. I was like this 93 Dodge Dynasty. And um, so I said, Michael, I want you to give me like a cool sign. You know, it's got to be cool. And I drive my car, I was going to my aunt's house, my aunt Sharon's house, and I parked in front of her house. Our family was gathering there and I parked in the street um, <clears throat> and I'm walking away from my car. And as I'm walking away, I, I decide like, hey, I need to turn around and make sure that I'm parked right. So I look, I turn around, I look at my car, my car, it turned on by itself and I froze. I'm like, is someone trying to steal my car right now? Because that's what it looks like. Um, this car didn't have like an auto start or anything like that. It, it's never done this, you know, it's, it started on its own and I'm like cautiously approaching it. The lights are on, the engine is on, it's running. And I, I see that there's no one in it and I have gone to repark the car anyway. So I, I put my key in the ignition and reparked it. So then I went flying into the, my aunt's house. Oh my gosh, my car just started by itself, you know, and everyone's like, I'm worried about Michelle and her grief. She's, you know, she's, she's having issues. Um, and it happened again. I went to the bank and as I, I got out of the bank, um, I was in there for like a good hour and I came out and as I was approaching my car, it started. Not only did it start, I was able to get in it and not put my key in the ignition and drive it without the key in the ignition, put it in gear. It didn't, it didn't stop. And I was able to drive my car without the key in the ignition. Um, this has never happened before. And it was just, it would start when, when I was coming near it, there was no auto start. This is a 93 dynasty, you know? So, um, I thought that was funny. And I told my cousin, Kristen, and that she started get, getting like worried. She's like, and Kristen and I, by the way, at the time we were sharing an apartment. And so she had told like my aunt, she's like, I'm really worried about Michelle, like her grief with Michael. Like she's like saying that her car is starting. Right. And she's, you know, she's not making fun of me, but she's genuinely concerned. So one day I'm in bed. Um, um, you know, like I said, we lived in the same apartment. I'm in bed. It's like nine in the morning. She comes flying in. She's like, Michelle, I just pull up next to your car and it started for me, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm like, sure enough, I think that, I think that was Michael, you know, like showing like, Kristen, really, you think Michelle's having problems? I'll do it for you. So it started for her. The car started for her. She's freaking out. It's like, I cannot believe it. I pulled up next to it, you know, and, and it started. And so I'm like, you know, I think we need to go downstairs because, you know, maybe to turn it off. And then I'm like, well, Michael wouldn't run me out of gas like that. So we walked down down the stairs into the parking lot and the car had shut itself off. Um, so to me, that was Michael, you know, like that was his his cool sign that he was giving to me. But, um, you know, like I had mentioned, I I also had a prescription drug problem and it was it got really bad after he died. You know, um, I just I didn't know how to cope. Um, he and I had always like made a, a pact that we were going to improve our lives and get better. And then I ended up going to jail for a year. And that was 
awful, like terrible. But I got clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and were you going to say something? You look uh, like well, you're I was. If you don't mind sharing, why did you go to jail? Um, for writing fake prescriptions oh, to get wow. more of the medication that I wanted. So I finally, you know, like they put me on probation. That didn't work, and um, the jail it worked. It was awful. It was terrible, but it worked. What medications were you taking? Like opioids or something? That and and like um, amphetamines, things like that. Um, and it was, I just, I had gone to rehab. It didn't work. Um, and it was, it was, it was, it was awful. It was, I, it was, it was, it was just terrible. I felt hopeless and helpless all the time. And, you know, I had worked in radio and everything at the time. And, you know, it was starting radio was all of that went away when I got out of jail and um, I was staying with my mom. I woke up the first morning out of jail and like, this is so great. I'm home. And then the, the realization hit me like, yeah, great. You're clean. Your whole life's destroyed. You go to jail. They take your car. They you know, that your credit gets destroyed. Not that it was great anyways before that, because I had a serious problem. So it's not like that, but I'm just, everything was gone, you know? And, um, I, I just, I thought, you know, there, there's no way, like, however, how am I ever going to rebuild my life? And I prayed to God to, to help me. And, um, basically long story short, he did. And like, that was in 2008. I'm running my own business now. I've been clean since then. And like I have, you know, I was able to buy my own house with, you know, being, being an artist, which is a big deal. And I mean, he did, he completely rebuilt my life. Um, there was another dream I had shortly after I got out, which was an encounter with God. Um, in this, in this dream, and, and again, this is a, this was a real encounter. Uh, I was in space, like in a, I was standing in the middle of space. The earth was like over here. God was behind me and above me, like back here. And, um, I, I was standing there and I, I felt very ashamed. Like I didn't want to look at God. It's like, I, I, I couldn't look at him. I wasn't really allowed to, but I didn't want to either. Like I, I didn't, I, I felt so ashamed. Like, and as I was standing there, like all of like the negative things in my life that I had done and just like, no, no human is perfect. Like every single one of us are flawed. You know, people are always like, you know, well, I'm a good person. Like we all have things uh, that we've done everyone that we don't like in our life. And like everything's coming up and, we are um, communicating, but as people often say, like telepathically, you know, and I just, I felt awful. Like, and I didn't want to argue with God below me opens up a huge, like, uh, um, like a big void, like a big hole. And I became very, very obvious. Like you just knew that, that, that was hell. Right. And um, like, he's holding me over it and I'm, and I hear Jesus appears here and um, he's like, that's a long way down. And I'm like, I know. And God's like basically telling me, I could feel like kind of his anger at me. He was angry at me and I wasn't about to argue with him. Like I accepted, like I agreed with him. I wasn't about to say anything. And I, 
felt so ashamed. And I just like told God, like in my head, like, just drop me, like, just let's get this over with. Just drop me. And it was, I knew it was a very long way down. Jesus told me it was a long way down, but I knew it was, it felt like I would be falling forever. And I, when I said, God, just let me go. Like, fine. You know, he goes, it was this big booming voice and I'm a voiceover artist. And it's just not like those movie trailer voices. This was that times 10. Now he's like, but I will never let you fall because I love you. And he said, it just big booming voice that like echoed everywhere. And his anger went, he turned from angry to the most intense love I've ever felt in my life. I mean, and I was like feeling like still like ashamed, like, are you sure? Like seriously, you know, because I just, I felt so horrible and God made it clear. Like, yeah, I will never let you fall. I love you. And I think that the message here is, um, life is hard. It's not supposed to be easy. It doesn't mean that like, it's all bad, but you know, a lot of times we have struggles and we just, we can feel very helpless and hopeless. And we don't see, we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. We don't see how we're ever going to overcome something. And I think that the point of with God is like, he wants you to have faith in him. He doesn't want you to say, Oh, God would never accept me because you know, this, that, or the other, he loves you. He's not this, strict like oh you did this the other day i mm -mm, don't don't talk to me he's not like that he loves us he's really merciful but he'll sometimes deliver us from things that immediately will like miraculously will overcome something but other times he's like okay you're gonna struggle through this i want you to fight but i'm gonna fight with you like i'm in the ring with you and i think that we need to we, you know, when we're struggling like that, you like, you need to look to God. You need to not be ashamed. You need to bring your problems to him. Like he will, he will take you through, you know? So that's, that's basically the story with my brother and everything else. It sounds like that meeting your brother and encountering God, those are also out of body experiences in a way. Yeah. You know, like it seems like they were like, it does it because I hear people often on your show talk about out of body experiences. And I, I think you're right. It, it because it doesn't, and it's really people who haven't been through it might be like, ah, that was a dream. Like people who have been through it will know that you, it's different. You know, it's, it's your, it's real. And I, it's in a way I can't describe. So I think that you might be right. I, I think, I think you're, yeah, that sounds about right. Since you saw Jesus and you saw God in one of your experiences, are you a religious person? And if so, what religion are you? So I hate the term religious because to me, when I hear the word religion, I like think of like these very ultra conservative type, like judgmental um, people. I, I would say I'm very spiritual. I am a Christian. So I, I believe in Jesus Christ. Um, I want to make clear, like, I was, I didn't look at Jesus. I was focused on the the hell thing down there. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't see him, um, but he was there. But I am a Christian. Um, when I was 17, I decided that I was going to be an atheist um, because I asked my mom one day, I'm like, why do we believe in God and Jesus? And she's like, because we always have. I'm like, that's, that doesn't make sense. Like, that's no reason to believe in anything. So I started researching a lot and reading about different religions and everything. And um, I, I kind of, based on what I found back then, um, it just seems that evi evidence wise, 
it seemed to make the most sense that it, you know, because I'm like, which one, what do you believe? You know? So, um, that's, that's, that's my belief. You know, I, I, I believe in Jesus Christ. So yeah. Um, but I don't like, I hate saying that I'm religious cause I'm not religious. I'm not, I guess that word to me just sounds so religious. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I, I have a relationship with God. I've got a relationship with Jesus. That's, that's, what I say. Do you feel like any of your experiences were more real than life here on earth? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. In a way that I can't really describe. Um, yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. It was, like I said, it's this, it's this knowing because a lot of people are like, you know, what if that was just a dream? It's not. And I wish I could explain what I meant, what I mean by that. Um, I wanted to tell like, so there's a few other things that have happened um, the other I wanted to, to say that are just kind of um, when you get communication from like the other side. So for example, um, there's, this is something that happened here, but I, this is my first house and um, you know, buying a house, things happen a lot. And for like the first few years that I lived here, I was like, on edge constantly because it's like, what's going to happen next? Like I had a roof leak, you know, like, um, I just, there was, um, there all, it's just, there were yellow jackets in the wall at one point. It just seemed like there's something always going wrong. So I couldn't even relax in my own home for like the first few years. So I'm like, what's going to happen next? And one day I was sitting on the couch, just watching TV, not thinking about anything in particular. And I, here I get a, a voice of knowledge in my head and it says, you know, go down, go into your um, basement right now, go into your basement. I'm like, this is like the beginning of like a scary movie where a voice tells you to go in the basement, you go and you get killed there. So, um, and it felt, it was like, just do it, just, just do it. And it was like this word of knowledge. I guess I didn't hear a voice. It was just this intense feeling. It was this communication you need to go in your basement. And so I'm like, this is so weird. So I stood up and I spoke out loud. I'm like, all right, this is really weird. Um, listening to a voice telling me to go down in the basement, you know? So I go down and it said, just look, it's very, it was like, it was something communicating with me saying that this is very important. You need to go check it out. So I'm looking around my basement and I open like the furnace room. That looks fine. I'm looking around. I'm like, I haven't found anything yet. I feel like this communication, this is, keep looking. And so I walk into the laundry area and I notice the floor is wet. And as soon as I noticed the floor was wet, I turn around and the sump pump went off and the check valve had broken. And it was like a fountain of water just went whoosh, like everywhere. It went all the way up to the ceiling, which is a wooden, like, you know, the wooden, you know, the wooden part. It's not, it wasn't fin the finished, it's not a finished ceiling. So it was the wooden part it and had i not caught that right then like that would have that would have continued going on without my knowledge until who knows what would have that would have been disastrous and it was very clear that this had just started happening i had no way of knowing this and so i turn around and it's like i mean just water everywhere so the the sump pump i guess was basically is taking the water that it was trying to shoot out of the house 
and it shot it into the basement all the way up to the ceiling. And I'm like, that's what the voice is. That's what it was telling me to do. And thank God it did because it saved me from a potential disaster. The dining rooms above there. I mean, I can only imagine it would sink in. I mean, if because I wasn't going to go in the basement for I, you know, had just done laundry. So I, I wasn't going to be down there for maybe a week or so. I wouldn't have known mm-hmm. until the floor sunk in, you know, so things like that happen a lot. Are things and sti- it's great and helpful. Are things still happening today? Yeah, that, yeah, absolutely happen a lot. I mean, it doesn't, it's not like every day something happens, but um, I have one other story that um, is very interesting um, that happened to me in my early 20s. I mentioned that I, I worked at a Christian radio station and I don't know if I mentioned that, but I am now. So I, early 20s, before I got into trouble and everything, I was I was a board op, uh, you know, and I'm just putting tapes in and then uh, top of the hour announcing, you know. Um, and basically, like on Sundays, churches would just bring in cassettes and I they would bring in their cassettes and I would cue them up for broadcast. And then at their time slot, I would play the cassette. This is the 90s. So it was cassettes. And there was one particular man that would come in um, every Sunday in his church. Uh, like they were, it seemed to cut it close because a lot of the churches would bring their tapes in early, sometimes throughout the week. And this particular church, they would bring it in at 12 noon and they aired at 3 p.m. And they'd bring it in at noon. And it was a very nice guy, bring his tape in. And one week, you know, during the week, I had a dream, another one of those dreams. And I had a dream that I was at work on a Sunday. And that this particular guy was not bringing his tape in like normal. And one o'clock came around and I'm like, wow, he's kind of late. I don't know why I didn't think to call the church, but I, I didn't. So um, one o'clock comes around. I remember noticing that this is in the dream. Two o'clock comes around and I'm like, where is, where is he? I need to queue up a backup tape. So we always had backups just in case something went wrong. There was a, a tape that you could throw on the air so it wasn't half an hour of dead air, you know? So at two o'clock, I'm like, I need to queue a backup tape up. I don't know where this guy is that normally comes in every Sunday. And so remember, this is the dream. And so uh, it gets to like 2.30 and I get a call from the church and it's a man and he, he says, I'm so sorry. You're going to have to queue up a backup. Um, the guy who normally brings the tape passed away suddenly. We found him in his car. We're going to send um, someone else from the church over to bring a bunch of tapes for like the next few months. The guy that we're sending over is a good friend of his. Don't talk to him about this, you know, uh, because he's he's pretty upset and he was good friends with them. He's, he's pretty upset. That was my dream. Sunday comes along a few days later. And I'm at work and just like in my dream, 12 o'clock comes and goes and the guy does not show up. 1 p.m. comes and goes, guy doesn't show up. I'm like, this is eerily like my dream, you know. Um, And then two o'clock comes around and I'm like, this, this is weird. This is like my dream. I'm going to have to queue up a backup. 2.30, I get a call from the church. The exact same guy, exact same guy saying the exact same thing. Unfortunately, the man had died. Like they didn't know the cause of death. Everything was exact as I had dreamt it. And I mean, like 
it, it blew me away. Um, I, things like that would happen and still, they still happen and they're going to continue happening, you know? Um, but those are some of the big things that, that happened. I mean, that was, that blew my mind. I was, I was alone at the station. I called a friend, my friend Bill, and I'm like, can you please come over and sit with me? Because I like this, this is terrifying. Like this exact God, this said the exact same thing. Everything was exact. And I just had this dream a few days ago. So things like that happen a lot. How have you changed over time with all these experiences happening to you? I think I just, you know, I have very strong faith in God. I believe that we need to, um, it, it basically, it may, it's, it makes it real for me. Um, where like, you know, I, when I was really little, like I used to think about, like my dad told me about God. I'm like, how do we know for sure that really that that's all real? And, um, I mean, it takes that away. It, it, it lets me know he's here. It lets me know that there, we have like a greater purpose here and, and that he is with us. And really it's just made my faith stronger. Um, you know, whereas every time I have a problem, I, it, you know, we're all human, you know, I was, would, can be very upset about things, but I know that he's there with me. Like I, I know it. And, um, I feel I'm, I'm happy that I know it. I mean, it feel like it, it gives, I don't know what I would do if I, if I didn't know this was true, but I can't deny it. So it really, it's just strengthened my faith. If that answers your question. It seems like usually your dreams happen within a few days after, after having them. Do you have any stuff that you've dreamt that has not occurred yet? Not, no, not that I no, there's nothing that's happened that I'm like, I think this is going to happen in the future. You're right, actually. And I've not really realize that because I remember when I was 14 one night I had a dream about an, an airplane crash and it happened like the next day um no I've not I've not there's nothing and like I hate to be like I'm psychic because I I guess I just I don't really understand um why this is happening you know I I like I said I think it's just like you said like a crack in the veil but yeah, I don't know if that does it make you think that, you know, we can't change the future that whatever's set in place it already it's already going to happen? No, that doesn't make me In fact, what I think happened with my brother, I don't think that's it at all. Um I think that um God has given us free will. My brother, when I spoke to him 3 days before he passed away, had given up. He did. And I and that's I don't mean to I loved my brother very much and he struggled so much. And you know, I think God just took him home early. God's like, okay, you know, we have free will. Um, God knows what, what we're going to choose. He knows ahead of time what we're going to do. But he kind of lets us play it out here, you know, on the field. He, you know, he, he, he lets us do that. But he, he wants us to have faith in him. He wants us to choose. Free will is very important to God. Do you feel inspired by these experiences? And if so, how? I mean, inspired, I guess, slightly. I feel like there's, I look at, th I look at challenges differently. I guess if you can call that inspiration, like I said, it's, you know, um, I'm a freelancer and I recently had a friend tell me like, as a freelancer, um, like it's you, you live on the edge, you know, financially you really do. And, um, 
he's like, I don't know how you do that. Like I could not do that. Like every day, you know, not knowing what work's going to come in. And because that's how, that's how I, that's how I live. And I told him, I'm like, man, if it weren't for God, I would not be doing this. You know, like I, I, I have more courage now because of this. I know God's real. I know there's a spiritual realm. I know this. I, I know, I don't believe it. I know it. And there's a difference. And so it, it gives me more courage. Like I said, like I just had just, we just had the conversation, you know, it's like, he's like, I could not do, I could not believe that you're living like, like, you know, never knowing, you know, what's coming in from week to week. And I'm just like, it's, it's, if I didn't have my faith in God, I I would not be a freelancer. It's Mm -hmm. too difficult, you know, but I always am like, okay, something's going to work out. One morning I remember, um, I woke up and, uh, my bank account was negative and I was like, Oh man, what am I, I need to get like gas in the car today. And I was, I'm like, okay. And I'm like, this is one of those like tests of faith. God, I, I know you'll come through for me shortly thereafter, like almost immediate actually. Like it was like a few minutes, let's say I get a thing, a, a notification on my phone and I had um, one of my clients sent me $200 mm-hmm. and it put my account back in the positive and they didn't owe it to me. So I immediately am like, they sent it via PayPal and I immediately emailed them. I'm like, you guys just sent me 200 bucks that you do not owe me. Are you aware of this? And he goes, yeah, it was a mistake, but we're not going to take it back. Just keep it as credit for future projects. And it happened immediately. And I, you know, I think that when we, when we have faith, like God, um, he works through our faith. He, he needs our faith to work. He wants us to reach out to him, even if we are not even sure that he's really there or if we believe that he's not happy with us, you know, you know, get that version of God out of your head that hates you, that thinks that you're doing all this, you know, you're just a screw up and he wants nothing to do with you. Like get that out of your head. Like, please, you know, um, turn to him. He's, he's there for you. He's real. So for me, I, I find it to be, it's, I don't, I don't, couldn't do half the stuff I'm doing, you know, if it weren't for him really. Well, I think it's amazing that you turned your life around, not only after the medication use, but also after being incarcerated and you were able to become successful in, in a time when it's probably very difficult because of your history. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's the thing, you know, like with with God, you can do anything like, you know, um, he's got his angels here with us. You know, it's we are not alone. We are not on this earth alone. We're not going through our struggles alone. And I did. I cried because I'm like, my life's ruined. I'm 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 clean now, but my life's destroyed. And it's like, no, nothing is ever just nothing's ever over. Nothing's ever destroyed when you have faith in God, it's not. And it, you know, even if you can't possibly comprehend how something is going to work out, you don't have to comprehend it. You just need to, you need to have faith. And it's easier said than done. Sometimes it sounds very like I'm minimizing people's problems and I'm not because I've been there, you know? Um, and, and I don't mean it to come across like that, but I'm just saying that, um, when you know, you're not alone, when you know, you can reach out to God when you, you know, and, and he will be there and he will respond Maybe not immediately, maybe not in the way you immediately expect. You're not, he will respond to you. You're not, you're not alone. And, and that's how I rebuilt my life. You know, um, I didn't think I was going to be able to do this, but I, but, but I am, I mean, I, 
I've been clean since 2007. And like, I have no desire to go back. It's and that's another thing that's really crazy is like, I, my life is so different. It's, it's completely changed. I'm a completely different person. Mm. Totally. Mm, that's great. In a good way. Yeah. Well, after watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and chat with you or, you know, sure. ask you questions. Are you okay with that? And if so, how would they reach out to you? I mean, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm sometimes very busy. So if I don't respond immediately, please don't, you know, be uh, like, think I'm ignoring you. But uh, yes, absolutely. So I would tell them to reach out uh, to my email. And like I said, I get, you know, um, especially recently, I've been extremely busy. And so if I don't like if I don't respond right away, that just just know I'm not ignoring you. All right. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? I mean, just really like, like I said, you know, uh, God is always there with you. Don't ever think that you've messed up so badly that you're beyond his reach. You know, get this version of God out of your head. That's like you said a bad word the other day. Don't talk to me. Get that out of your head. He, you it's not about being a, you know, a, I have to be a good person so God will love me. God loves you. He loves you. If you're messing up, you've got an addiction. If you're trying to resolve trauma that you've been through, God loves you. He loves you. Turn to him. He, he will help you. Well, thank you for that message. And Michelle, thank you so much for being my guest. I really thank appreciate you. you. And I wish you the thank best. You. Thank you very much. Thanks. All right. It was awesome. All right. Have a great evening. You too. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.